if you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com. 
Co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. And there was one point in my life where I thought I would never get married because of all the pain and the heartbreak that I've been through and I hit absolute rock bottom. And I know that I told you that I love you, but Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And I'm just going to say this right up front before we even get into anything. (laughs) Oh, God. If you have a friend, if you have a family member that you've been trying to get into the pit for some amount of time and it's just not working, even if you have somebody who is in your life that doesn't watch The Bachelor, but you want them to just watch it, to start, to see what you like about it, this is the episode that you get them to listen to. This is going to be (laughs) our best episode of the season by far because what we just witnessed was a fucking perfect game played by Zach Clark. There was so much gameplay in tonight's episode that the past two playoffs that sucked are erased from my mind what we watched tonight was a fucking work of art of the highest level with things i never thought i would see in the history of our beloved game one of which occurred in and around the dark lord himself i think everyone listening knows what we are talking about it will be part of the title of this episode before we get to that, we are uh, putting out a four-episode, four-podcast episode week, and we neglected to give our MVPs last night, although Clues has barely <laughs> blocked Fantasy Suites and Hometowns out of his mind. I must bring <laughs> us back to it for one second, because we do need to say our MVPs. Last night's MVP for me was Zach Clark for his... I can't even remember what he did last night at this point. (laughs) It was the prone fantasy suite. He did some prone play. He did the body painting. He loved level forward. Yeah, he was my MVP from yesterday as well. And I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't even know if we need to hold this information back. Like, it's pretty obvious who it's going to be this week as well. But I mean, it wasn't just a winning performance. It wasn't just the best performance of the night. It was, I mean, maybe the best performance that's possible in a final game. This was literally like watching a pitcher in baseball throw a perfect game in game seven of the World Series. It was fucking incredible to see what this man did. Here's the thing. It was even better than that. It was as if you could pitch a perfect game in baseball that would somehow 
preempt the other pitcher from even playing a moment of the game. Ben didn't even get a last date. That is how good Zach Clark was this episode. He was astounding at every play, and we cannot wait to go through each of them for you because some of what he does has beauty in its subtlety. Some of it is just overwhelming, and some of it is just so textbook, fundamentally sound, that it's bulletproof. It was fucking amazing to watch what he did here. And I know some people, it's not a game, they're really in love. Yes, they can really be in love, but he also must play this game that is constructed by the producers. You must get through their hurdles to get to this final point. And they try to fucking tank him. And we're going to get into that. They actively try to destroy this relationship and he salvages it. He saves it. He fends off their attack. It is a fucking beautiful thing to watch. And then in the end of this, he fucking fist pumps. I'm getting so far ahead of myself. We are so ahead of ourselves. I'm going to murder you. I can't help it. (laughs) What are you doing? We'll get to all of it point by point, but I'm just so excited about this. This is what happens to a man when he has been stuck in the La Quinta bubble for months and it finally comes to an end tonight. We all will leave the La Quinta bubble. I'm not going to say once and for all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... (laughs) I don't know how many more COVID seasons we're going to have, but let's get into it, Clues. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We're back in the resurrection of Ben Smith. Tasha's in the other room talking to the producer still. I mean, I can't even remember back to the beginning of this episode at this point. Like We've seen so much. Ben ITMs that he can tell, looking in her eyes, that there's more under there. And Tasha comes back in the room. She says, I'm still very shocked that you're here right now. Ben says, I should have just told you what I was thinking, but I'm in love with you. You make me feel unlike anything in my entire life. And that's what I'm in love with. She's like, why didn't you tell me earlier? He says, I was scared. She's like, of what? He says, I never felt that way. Part of me was so sure I would progress and have the perfect opportunity to tell you I love you. And he he tries to get bonus points here. He says, I told Chris Harrison, I told Dark Lord Harrison, DLH. This is corroboration. (laughs) That was actually an important, subtle play because it allows her to feel comfortable enough that what he's saying is the truth, that he's offering up an ability to fact check him. You can ask Dark Lord. I'm not making this up right now to come back. I told the Dark Lord before the last row ceremony. By the way, the Dark Lord, DLH, is how we refer to Chris Harrison, the host of the show, and we call him this because we see him as a figure who drains the souls of all the players one by one as they get kicked off the show, and DLH is a reference to LRH, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder and ex-leader of the Church of Scientology. Ben is telling her, I'm in love with you here. That's love level four. There are four love levels. Love level one is I like you. I care about you. I'm smitten. I have butterflies. Love level two is I'm starting to fall in love or I'm starting to fall. I think I could see myself falling for you. Love level three is I'm falling for you. I'm falling in love with you. Love level four is I'm in love with you. I've fallen in love with you. I love you. Love level four is the highest you can achieve. And once you have achieved it, you have completed the love level circuit. It is kind of a like a marker of distance in a race, basically. You've hit the final goal. And here he does it really at the last minute. He was very lucky to get a resurrection to come back into the game so that he had this opportunity. You can't do that without a producer. And here he is capitalizing. And it seems to be working. 
She seems to be accepting it. She says for a moment to him, I was almost there. The way she phrases it is a punishment, essentially telling him you should have said it when you had a chance because I was almost there. You're the one who fucked this up. And she's also worried he's going to run every single time it gets hard. It being life. Tasha says, I'm not going to lie. Have I missed you? Absolutely. She's giving him some indicators. And she says, I'm going to take some time. Says you can come to this rose ceremony. But I mean, we've seen she'll give anyone an invitation to rose ceremony. She gave one to Bennett's ghost as well. It's a little different than the Bennett situation, though, because Bennett and Noah were just hangers on when there was a larger group. We are now down to the final three. One of them is gone and the other two guys don't even know that he's going to replace that person in the final three. This is much more akin to a Luke P coming back when you think you're that far in the game and then some weird thing gets thrown. It's like, wait a minute. I already beat that guy. He's already out. I have to play him again now. It's a weirder uh, circumstance. I think everybody knew Bennett and Noah were just there for the TV basically. Ben says, I'm really sorry. Thank you for talking with me. This is after Tasha says I was almost there. And then Tasha kisses Ben. This was an amazing moment. I was like, this portion is already unbelievable. Um, this is basically an offsides kiss. Like he's not even back in the game and he's kissing her. It's kind of got this an element of like it's naughty like he's not even in the game and you're kissing him you're essentially cheating on the other guys and she initiated that kiss that's very important whatever gameplay he's doing at this point gets this situation to come to a head when he is just there he's present and yes the moment is there the mood is there it's time for a kiss but he knows he can't make that move because she hasn't fully forgiven him He doesn't have the right of access yet, so she has to do it. She has to cross the barrier. She does, and then during the kiss, she turns away, and we can't tell in this moment if this is a kind of she couldn't help herself and she lost control, or if it was like the last kiss she'll ever have of this guy, because as she then leaves, she ITMs that she has remorse for the kiss. I kissed him. Why did I do that? I loved this moment. It was hot. I was like, this was an actual soap opera but with millennials, so like gossip girl, makeout moment. He does such a good job here. And we've seen a failed offsides kiss when Bennett did his resurrection. He also tried to kiss Tasha, and she turned him down. This is 180, the complete opposite direction Tasha's initiating. He kisses her hand. I've noticed that this is one of Ben's main moves, the hand kiss. And Ben is 100% confident he's going to get a rose. Says he can't believe it just happened. He blacked out. And then portion two begins. This is the rose ceremony that was put on hold by Ben's resurrection last week. Ivan shows up to the rose ceremony. Ivan tells DLH that he and Tasha both LL3'd, love level 3'd. He's looking forward to the meeting of the family. Poor Ivan. He has no idea. LL3, it's just you're too far behind in the game, dude. Zach then comes in, tells DLH that he and Tasha love level forward. Keynote, it was reciprocal love level four. He loads his precog that he's going to propose. A precog on The Bachelor is when a player tells The Bachelor that they would accept a proposal. You can also load a precog and say in your ITM, you're in the moment um, confessional interview that you would accept a proposal on The Bachelorette. 
it is saying that you would propose to the bachelorette. And the guys are standing at the pedestal. We hear Zach C. in an ITM say, you know, at this point, I'm prepared for anything. Famous last words. If you're ever in an ITM interview with a producer and they get you to say phrases like, I'm prepared for anything or everything's perfect. Nothing could go wrong. Don't ever say those phrases because they're going to use them to cut to the thing they're going to try to use to fuck your entire game up. And here, that's exactly what they do. Zach says, I'm prepared for anything. And Ben walks around (laughs) the corner. He walks up to him and he tells him he was invited. They give almost no reaction. Ivan looks a little surprised. That is about it. There's nothing going on here. These two motherfuckers are cold. They are playing the game. It's amazing. Zach cannot be thwarted by anything. I've been calling Zach Zen Zach this whole episode because he is nonplussed as fuck. He's like, throw it at me, throw it at me. I'm, you know, Tasha can explore all she wants. I feel confident and in what we have and she needs, I want her to do the best thing for her. Not not affected by anything that happens. And I think part of that is because he has had this like pretty intense life and it's just like this actually doesn't compare to it for him. That line he says in the ITM, I'm prepared for anything, that comes on the heels of the producers probably asking a question that's something like this. Is there anything right now that could happen that would make you change your mind? And he's like, no, I'm prepared for anything. Turns out he fucking literally is. He psychologically <laughs> prepared himself for lit- a dude coming back from the dead. He's like, yep, okay, Ben's here. Cool, good luck, Ben. Fist bump. <laughs> it would have been funny if Ben had used Bennett's line when he did his resurrection, the exact same thing, and say, you look like you've seen a ghost. <laughs> I would have loved that. Uh, Tasha enters the rose ceremony. She explains what happened with Brendan, except that she doesn't. She says, it just didn't work out. She does not say that she was dumped by Brendan at all. I have the exact, literal, same note, word for word, written in my thing. What, really? (laughs) I have noticed that Clues and I have started taking very similar notes, as at one point during this episode, I realized that I had scrolled up too far and was typing in Clues' notes. By accident. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice this happen either, by the way. I just saw the words filling in and I was like, weird, the computer's reading my mind now. It's because we gave the same creature of the week. (laughs) We only really had one choice. Tasha tells them, we have Ben. I've been praying about clarity. I care about all of you. A general love level one. Tasha picks up the first rows of two from the pedestal, and we see each of the remaining players' faces, a close-up on it, and this is a traditional shot. You always see it at the rose ceremonies, the awaiting faces of the remaining men, and as that number dwindles, it becomes more and more dramatic. Ivan here tries to put on a brave smile. Zach C. Chooses, looking like he's facing a firing squad, chin high, defiant, proud of the performance he has left. There's no fear here. As he said, ready for whatever may happen. And Ben is anticipatory, a kind of nervous smile, wondering if his ruse worked for anything more than a few extra minutes of screen time and a kiss. And they wait. She's about to deliver the first rose. And then she puts it down and says, Ivan, can we talk? (laughs) Ivan (laughs) pretends not to hear her. He knows what's coming, but his brain won't accept it at first. He goes, 
what's up? (laughs) But then after she says it again, with no more force or clarity, he acquiesces and walks around a corner with her. He walks away and makes small talk, lying to everyone, including himself, that this is just a regular thing. No big deal. You got on your favorite dress. And she laughs a hollow laugh and says, thank you. We can hear it in her voice. There is distance. She has accepted what she must do. They are walking to Ivan's execution. They go and sit on the dumping bench, which has a rich history in our beloved game. Some seasons have a dumping bench, some don't. But after people get eliminated, especially in later rounds, sometimes the lead will take them to this bench and have a final exit speech, exit conversation with them. Here, it's used to do the dumping. It's a preemptive dump bench. She takes him, they sit down, and she asks, how are you? To which he replies, I'm good. How about you? And she says, I'm good. The pleasantries here do little to hide the fact that we know what's about to happen. And then she issues a dismissal that I don't think we've ever seen before in our beloved game. An elimination via religious differences. She says her religion is important to her, and that's a deal breaker. And he says he's sorry they didn't talk about religion earlier, as though that is only his fault. If it's a deal breaker for her, (laughs) she should have brought it up. And there's really no more of the conversation. And if it is a deal breaker, how could anyone be allowed on the show that wasn't of her Christian faith, or at least accepting of it, in whatever way she needed. Shouldn't that have been one of the primary questions the producers asked every player? Do we know what his religion is? There is some conjecture that it is Muslim coming from the internet based on a post or a quote that his brother had on his Instagram. I don't Hmm. know. I had assumed he was atheist from this, but I could see that being more of a deal breaker. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) this was pretty wild. I was like, are we just going to have wild portion after wild portion? She's dumping him blatantly because of Jesus. And again, yeah. How did it not come up earlier if it's this important? That makes me think that this is just an excuse that she's using. Absolutely. 100%. I think Ivan was kept around because he was a nice guy. and I mean, he was a good player, don't get me wrong, but he was certainly, for me, one of the more genuine players. He seemed for TRR at least as I much mean, as Zach did. the fact did, that you know? he's not going to lie about his religion in order to get ahead, that's pretty for yeah. TRR. I think she probably knew this very early on, and unfortunately for Ivan, it pans out like this, and because it's such a hardcore deal breaker, there's no emotion in this breakup. Neither of them even cry. They're just like, well, I wish we would have known about this irreconcilable difference earlier. Oh, well, have a nice life. He gives a postmortem. Love level three. I was falling in love with you this week. It sucks. And he he comes off very for TR. For the right reasons is basically the main conceit of the show is that you have to be there for the right reasons, which is finding love. And it can't be um, essentially Instagram fame. It's not even just Instagram fame, though. It's any kind of financial, commercial, career success or benefit that you might achieve as a side product of being on the show. So it's like if you have a podcast, if you have an Instagram, if you have some small business, somebody was accused of trying to sell their tequila brand at one point in a season of Bachelorette, (laughs) if I remember right. It can be any kind of outside thing you're trying to benefit through your appearance on the show. But in his limo exit, he says, 
in the back of my mind. This could have been the bomb that explodes everything and it just happened. Fuck, this is definitely going to sting for a while for sure. You don't just fall out of love overnight. I think this has been a lot harder for Tasha than she imagined and I don't know if she'll feel comfortable with anybody by the end of this. She's not going to pick anyone. Poor Ivan. He just couldn't <laughs> be further from the truth we now know. <laughs> Living yeah. in his fantasy world. He was like, Tasha seemed pretty unhappy in general in that airstream. Tasha walks back to the guys and says, unfortunately, there were some things in our, our future didn't align on. She can't wait for them to meet her family. By the way, another reason that I think this was just an excuse with Ivan was like, we haven't seen her talk religion with Zach or Ben. Have they? We must assume that they have at this point. If if that is a true reason why they broke up, and he was also her first fantasy suite, you would assume she would discuss that with Zach the very next night. If it's such a big deal, if that's what they talked about in the fantasy suite and it was an immediate deal breaker, if she hadn't already talked to Zach, she seems obligated to do it the following night, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So he must be fine with it or share the same religion, Christianity. He distracted her with the prone. They didn't get to it. She was too prone. I thought it was fitting <laughs> that on the last episode before Christmas, Jesus himself came back to do the dismissal. <laughs> do we know what type of religion Tasha is? She's Christian. Is there a specific? All I know is Christian. She has a Bible verse on her Instagram. Zach gets the first flower. This is the first rose in the rose ceremony. He adds in a little line as he's been doing. Yes, and I can't wait to meet your family. Ben accepts second flower and says, always. And I'm stunned. We've only had two portions, but both portions were absolutely wild. Literally at this point, I was just like, well, fuck it. They did it. I mean, I really thought this season was just going to be in the fucking toilet from hometowns forward. Once we got to playoffs, I thought the postseason was just going to be bad, you know? And it's like, oh my God, we're only to this point. And I was like, fuck it. This is better than the last two weeks of this show that I've watched. It's also just seeing Ben and Zach go head to head was more interesting to me. Well, they also did a decent job and we'll get to this a little bit later, but they in more detail, but they did a decent job of cracking Tasha's armor a little bit and really putting into the document the idea that she might not pick anybody. So it's not only that these guys have to be better players, but it's also kind of up to her. Can they overcome what the producers are doing to her? Not just even what they're doing head to head, but it was interesting. I, it was just well done. It was a very well done episode, especially for what uh, they had to work with out in the desert. I really think if they wanted to level the playing field here, they should have given both Zach and Ben overnights. I was surprised they didn't at least give Ben one. I thought there was an opportunity there for the producers to do that and let Zach know about it. And they just dropped the ball on that. Yeah. Instead of rose ceremony tonight, Tasha's on a fantasy suite date with Ben. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tasha then gets to meet her family She gets four family members, her mom, Rosario, her father, Desmond, and her two brothers. She actually has a sister, I learned, who, Dominique, who apparently just graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy this year. So that Mm. fits in with some of the Navy talk. This family, we actually saw for the first time in season 23 of The Bachelor when Colton Underwood visited their home on Tasha's hometown round and... 
this dad did not give Colton his blessing, even though Colton asked directly for it. <laughs> and then Tasha had a little chat with her dad and made him reverse his mind, removing the block, allowing Colton to technically be awarded the blessing in that season because of Tasha's incredible play. Highly recommend going back and watching. Tasha gives them the breakdown. She introduces Ben and says he's someone she liked from the very beginning. Met his family, decided to send him home, and then he came back. And this family was like, how did he just come back? And she's like, he showed it back up on my doorstep. I wrote that same note down. The brother is like, how did he come back? And I wrote, exactly. How yeah, did exactly. he come back? The fucking <laughs> producers. It's all scripted, dude. Exactly. She's says she finally got what she was looking for when she sent him home and her dad says here so he had a wall up Tasha's dad confirmed 100% in the pit <laughs> he listens to our show every week I have no doubt about it he's using he's our, on our he's Patreon. discussing the fucking game with his daughter who's in the middle of it while she's playing it he sets up dad walls here he says maybe Ben didn't put his best foot forward and he says I was skeptical Coming into this, Ben and Tasha kiss at the threshold of the building. Ben comes in and meets them. He reveals that he went to West Point, and Rosario says, "Go Navy, beat Army." So I, I get the feeling that Tasha's father was also in the Navy, went to a competing Navy school or something. To or is West Point Army? Yeah. Didn't you just say his sister graduated from the Naval Academy? Yeah, but I think it's the dad and the sister. I think it's like a Navy family. I don't know. I was like, oh, this is an interesting thing I never knew about, that you have a Navy-Army sports rivalry. Yeah. That's football. The Army-Navy game every year is huge. I missed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like 99.9% of sports events they never have like the best football teams but that game is always televised hmm. ben tells them she dumped me last week and tasha's like we have had a fun journey <laughs> paints right over that and the dad tries to give him a point says well you had to make a good impression to have a second chance and they toast to second chances Tasha has a little one-on-one -on -one time with her dad and she tells him that she loses time when she's with ben he just makes her feel a certain way and the dad says he likes his schooling, but he thinks she needs a guy that doesn't maybe require so much work to get to where she is. Then Ben spends a little one-on-one -on -one time with mom, and Ben tells her that he's in love with her daughter. This is an LL4 to a parent. Then it's dad's turn up at the plate with Ben, and he tells dad that he's in love with her again, LL4ing the other parent. He's never experienced anything like this, and dad says he thinks he's a sincere young man and sees good qualities in him, and he appreciates him being open and honest. Ben then thanks Tasha's father for having this little chat with him. All very respectful. I love Ben's love level four to the dad. He goes, full disclosure, I'm in love with your daughter. Like... <laughs> Right off the bat, elephant in the room, I've love level forward, we're good. <laughs> it's an impossible thing to argue against. All you can say at that point if you're a skeptical parent is, I don't believe you. That's your only chance and no parent's <laughs> ever going to say that because that will make you look terrible. It's an airtight strategy. He plays it very well. After this conversation, 
Tisha's dad said, I felt a little bit better about his intentions. He acknowledged where he messed up. I probably went from being doubtful of the guy to where I would give him a chance. So Tasha has loaded these dad walls and Ben has broken them down. This is a very familiar storyline in Meeting of the Families. What is not a familiar storyline in Meeting of the Families is an impromptu <laughs> full family scooter ride in small circles in the parking lot in the front of their room. But that's exactly what we get. We know Ben has amazing scooter game. So maybe this is a moment for him to shine. This is like the equivalent of when they have a date like at an NFL football field and there's like a college yeah. football player in the dating pool. This is the version <laughs> of that. It's scooters for Ben. Yeah, he just like flirtatiously like kicks at all of Tasha's brothers. <laughs> Tasha says, I was already falling in love with Ben. Today I started to fall in love with Ben all over again. She's starting to fall love level two. At this point, it's like, it doesn't feel like there's a contest, but... But she gets in a line at the end of this. They ride off into the sunset on their own scooters. They pull over. They get a kiss in the grass. And Tasha ITMs that it was a perfect date. She gives it a 10.0 out of 10.0. The only judge <laughs> that should matter. She is the first audience after all. The first audience is the lead of the show. Every player is playing to four audiences. Audience one is the lead. I would argue with Tasha that it wasn't a perfect date. We got no blessings and we got no glows. I totally agree with you. That line is from the producers. They made her say it. Blessings are when the player asks the crown's parent. The crown is the bachelor or bachelorette, the lead of the show. And a blessing is when the player asks the crown's parent for their blessing to propose to the lead. And a glow is when a player or a crown's family member tells them that they have a glow about them, that they can see that they're really in love, that there's genuine emotion or chemistry. It's recognition of some visual signal they've picked up on in the person, be it player or crown, that they are happy and in love, on the road to love. And so then, portion four begins. This is the next day, and Zach is up at the plate. It's time for Big Zaxi to see what he can do in this game for his day portion of the meeting of the family. He meets her by the grass in the same spot Ben was. They kiss. He has these giant flowers, as did Ben, by the way. And let's just take a second to think about this. The nature of a gift when you go to meet somebody's parents is to show consideration, respect. Here, I'm giving you this. You've brought me into your house. I'm a, this is a thank you. It's something I picked out, something I purchased. I put the thought into this. In this do you context, do this for partners when you meet their families? Yeah. Bottle of wine? Something like that? Yeah. Hmm. Clues is a Kringler. <laughs> a Kringle is, is when anyone gives someone a gift. It's also a type of limo exit where the player gives the crown a gift. But in this context, it loses all meaning. The idea for the gift, the payment of the gift... The acquisition of the gift, all of this is done by the producers. The player has no say in it whatsoever. The producers just say, okay, you're going to meet the family. Here's your flowers. Here's your wine or whatever. (laughs) But it's just this ceremonial thing that's pumped into our screen that this is what it looks like when you go to a parent's house to meet them. They're not going to the parent's house. They're bringing flowers to their fucking hotel room. It's strange to me. Well, I think Zach might have had this idea here when he eventually cringles them pizza. But we get ahead of ourselves. Tasha seems to want Zach to freak out. She's like, are you nervous? Are you nervous? He's like, no, I mean, 
I guess. Do you want me to? <laughs> He's Zen Zach. He's not going to freak out. Tasha brings him in to meet the family. He tells them their love story, says we walked in and from there it's been really good. We built a nice connection. I feel really lucky. And he says the first time we talked, everyone knows Tasha has a glow. The first time I saw that was her talking about you guys. He gives her an inverted glow that is motivated by her family. I don't know if that we've ever seen this. <laughs> I don't think we've ever seen a player glow the lead to the family literally as the first thing they say. It's yeah. fucking crazy. It's like, this is an opportunity to get a glow in. I'm just going to fucking do it. He does it. It was beautiful. This is groundbreaking type shit. A glow can really be used in any situation. We traditionally only see it done by family members of players or leads in the hometowns or the meetings of the family in the final round. Here we see a player invert it back to the family through the lead. It is so fucking insane that he was able to do this. This is like truly experimental play on another level that I think can be used by other players. I think that Zach's main game is this very genuine 4TRR game. Taisha keeps saying how genuine he is, how intentional he is, and that shows through in these moves. I mean, glows are essentially saying 4TRR, true emotion that is causing your skin to shine, essentially, like, with love. Uh, Tasha talks with her dad about Zach. He's like, on a scale of one to ten, like, where do you see you guys? And Tasha says, 8.95. I want to see how you guys mesh. 8.95. God. <laughs> like, what kind of a number is that? I would never say that number. <laughs> Ain't quite nine. <laughs> she says, if it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to get engaged just to get engaged. Her dad's like, there's no rush. Zach talks with Rosario. Rosario goes hard right off the bat. She goes, she got hurt before. Do you love Tasha?" Zach says, the other night on a date, I was able to tell her I love her. And she said it back to me. So it was a beautiful moment for both of us. And the feeling has not changed. It just gets stronger. We love level forward. And it was reciprocal. So now that's locked in with the parents. He's not only saying, I love your daughter. He's giving them information about her. So this is a preemptive defense against a possible attack they may make later. Yeah, just so you know, she's locked it in with me as well. And then we get a truly beautiful moment in this conversation. Rosario says, where do you see you and Tasha five years from now? And Zach says, I love that question. <laughs> I see us married and I see us happy and still madly in love with each other, falling more in love every day. I see us starting a family. This moment almost brought me to tears. I rewatched it three or four times. <laughs> I love that question. Here's when you say, I love that question. When you are a Miss Alabama, a Miss South Carolina, whatever, a Miss some United State, and you are in a pageant and they ask you, <laughs> what are some charities that you think are good in the world? I love that question. My favorite charities are ba 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 This is a prepared line and it is in keeping with pageantry. It is so interesting to see it now that Zach, who is really a player, we've seen from his Instagram, he equates this to a sport. He even does some behaviors in this very episode that we're going to get to that are sports-like in celebration. And here... 
I mean, he's basically playing a sport. He has thought of this question if it was asked to him. He has prepared all of these answers. That's why he says he loves it. It was fascinating to watch. And of course, he fucking nails it. He nails it because he's rehearsed it. It was beautiful to watch. And Tasha's mom can do nothing but accept this answer. It also helps convey this intentional look. Like he's really taking it in. He's truly listening and He's not thinking of what he's going to say while she's talking. Rosario says, I like that. Another point for Zach. <laughs> then Zach chats with Tasha's father, the keeper of the walls. This chat between Zach Clark and Tasha Adams' father was my. Play, 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 play of the game. This was a thing of beauty. This entire conversation was... I mean, it was just perfect. It was fucking perfect. It starts out. Zach is telling Tasha's dad about his first marriage. He says he was too young, partying a lot, and didn't really understand what marriage was. No mention here of the five-part PTC that he played earlier this season on Tasha. Just about no. him partying and getting married too young. Tasha's dad says he wants whatever she moves into next to be real. And Zach says he hears exactly what he's saying. He knows that when all of this goes away, meaning the show, it's about how their relationship would work in the real world. And he actually looks forward to the moments when it's not fun, to the moments when she needs him to help pick her up, when he gets to be the STCO, the shoulder to cry on. He then talks about what she said about her dad putting her through private school, and it was sometimes hard, but he did it because he loved her. And this part right here, this next part, I was on the edge of my seat watching this. I'm like, he is weaving a web out of which no father can escape. And then he fucking <laughs> drops the final thread. And it is this. He says, I know you set her expectations very high, and I'm excited by that, not scared. He says, compliment to dad, and then he assures dad, I can live up to that same compliment if I am the man in her life. It is buttering him up and then allaying his fear in one fucking sentence. Beautifully done. And then he says he mentions this because a proposal is very serious to him, and he wouldn't do it if he wasn't so sure that he was committed to what that means on the back end. He is in this for the long haul. He's not asking for a blessing here, but he's fucking doing everything, but it's right up to the edge of literally saying the phrase, hey, can I marry her? And it wins the dad over. It's almost a blessing. It's, you could taste it. I say it's a metaphorical blessing. If I have to go in the record books, I wouldn't give it to him in the record no, books. No, his dad says I appreciate blessing. that. That's not a blessing. Look, it was as close to a blessing as you could get. It was kind of like a Zach Clark blessing, which is, I'm not actually going to get your opinion on this, but I'm going to make you feel like you gave it to me. It would have been my play of the game if not for something that had happened later. I thought this was the second best play of tonight's episode. And like everything you're saying, the compliment sandwich, the answering all of his problems before he even gets to ask about them, the purposefully... I. I was looking forward to Tasha explaining parts of Zach's PTC to her parents. We don't get to see any of that. I'm, he avoided I mean, it all, which 
was a brilliant move because that's some heavy shit to yeah. lay on some parents and then try to explain it away in whatever you got 10 minutes in one of those fucking ITMs with them. It was brilliant to avoid that. And the reason that this was my play of the game, other than what I think your play of the game is going to be, is it was so verbal. It was all wit. And when I see like an isolated portion of a player's style like this, and it's just like, let it shine. Don't do anything else. Don't fucking throw them in a crazy situation where they're squirting paint on each other. Just give me a conversation between a player and the lead's dad. Let's see what they can do with it. Like, I think this is the best one I've ever seen. It was so fucking perfect. Every beat of it necessary and correctly delivered. And the end, I mean, we know what the fucking end is because we know that Tasha's family is like important to her. So despite what we're going to see later with the dad, we know that that dad gave the approval of Zach. We know that had to have happened for the final outcome of this uh, show. And I think it's all because of that conversation. I think that we wouldn't have had the dad knock knock if the dad had been fully won over by Zach. I Like he says here, I like Zach. He's a good man to see another man to love my daughter. The way he expressed himself made me at ease. Great. But it's not that at ease. We still get the dad knock knock. Although, to be fair, to your point, when he does summarize the two guys to Tasha, it is clear that he prefers Zach. We'll and I, we'll it. get to that knock knock, but just yeah. long story <laughs> short, the producers forced him to do that. But also, we get a, <laughs> another Kringle by Zach. He gives them all pizza, says, it's, This is the closest to New York style pizza we're going to get in the desert. He's just forcing. Tasha to eat La Quinta pizza again and say it's New York pizza. <laughs> like, it's the pizza. It's like, why are all these people just staying here and participating in this weird psychological game of torture? The pizza is controlling their minds. It's like all they're eating is this fucking pizza that's laced with LSD. By the way, Rosario does say she noticed the chemistry between them. She says it was actually something I noticed, which I'm not sure this is a full glow, but it kind of is a glow. They, Tasha and Zach go outside, they kiss, and Zach does this thing that he and Tasha do throughout this episode where he like keeps looking back as he's walking away from her and like barely will let go of her hand. It's like little, little touches of chemistry play, which are amazing. And Tasha says she wants a little part of what she wants a part of what both Zach and Ben offer. She's at least pretending that it's even at this point. Portion five opens with my... (laughs) Creature of the Week. (laughs) We open on a single shot of a little bird in a fountain. The bird flaps its wings, spreads some water everywhere. It's a beautifully made shot, and we get the sense that Tasha and our players are not the only living things in La Quinta. (laughs) it's delicate I believe it's a hummingbird it was also my (laughs) creature of the week (laughs) (laughs) I believe it was our only one but Taisha prepares her collar here she itms that she has gratitude she's journaling on her bed i see a life with both guys everything seems tranquil and peaceful we got a peaceful creature 
a peaceful Tasha. Knock, knock, knock. There's another knock on her door. And Tasha goes, uh uh. <laughs> she can't handle another knock knock. There's been hundreds of thousands of knock knocks. She's gotten multiple councils of crowns this way. Dark Lord Harrison, she's gotten her many of her suitors that she has dismissed <laughs> who are ignoring her wishes. <laughs> This season is using that door reveal more than any we've ever seen. And I don't know if it's simply a matter of having everybody kind of quarantined in their own rooms. And that's really like actually how people have to come meet each other. But it adds this weird feeling of both claustrophobia and agoraphobia that I think is like honestly similar to what we're all feeling in lockdown in the quarantine in this world so even though they're in this bubble not wearing masks and it seems like a reprieve from the quarantine i think psychologically and like thematically it's baked into the fucking show like you can't get away from it we'll see that we saw that with ben and Tasha's during ben's resurrection he's like can we hug like can we is that allowed he says which is Mm -hmm. just like these little subtle COVID hints throughout. But in this instance, the person on the other side of the door is Tasha's father. He comes in, they sit down, and he asks her how she's feeling, if she's 100% confident. He says, I like Zach, and Ben's a good guy, which to me was like clear that he like preferred Zach. But he's just there to make sure she doesn't make another mistake, that she doesn't go down that path again. And she tells her dad that she blocked all the pain out of her mind from her divorce. And her dad bringing this up is making her feel heavy. And again, he says, might not be what you want to hear, but I'm here to stop you from making the biggest mistake of your life. And we get at least the sense that generally he doesn't like this entire idea. This is a dad attack from the producers. We have seen this exact (laughs) same method used by the producers in season 23, Colton Underwood season. After he decided he loved Cassie Randolph, they flew her father to their fantasy suites and had her father convince her to leave the show. The same attack is being done here now with a dad being sent in to rattle the confidence, in this case, of the lead. So you have to have had, as a player, an incredibly strong first audience game. This is a play that you cannot avoid. You can do nothing to alter this, and you're not present when it's happening, so there's not even anything you can react to. You're relying now on everything you've done with the lead up to that point. What have you been able to make them think and feel about you? It also reinforces the idea that Tasha is choosing not just between Zach and Ben, but Zach and Ben and breaking up with everyone. And it reinforces her PTC, her personal tragedy card about how she has a divorce and she had a divorce and she was heartbroken. She tells this very sad story about at three and four in the morning, her dad ran outside and sat with her in the car while she was wailing and that he felt that pain, but couldn't do anything about it. Doesn't want to inflict that on them again. And we get to portion six. It's last dates. Last date day portion. Zach C. He sets up this portion. He sets up this last date by saying this quote. I can only control what I can control. And we learn here why he is Zen Zach. I'm not sure what his exactly his rehab process has been but i do know that that is one of the tenets of aa 
that's a huge thing with them that, you know, you focus on what you can control. And he has done so much work on himself and therapy, etc. And I feel like that is part of why this process isn't getting to him. He's got mental toughness. Well, it certainly is a way to accept every curveball the producers are trying to throw at him. When Ben shows up, he's just like, whatever. <laughs> I couldn't stop that from happening. You know, like he can't yeah. control these things. It's, it's literally what he said. He also set something up here. A goal that he is going to manifest. I hope when she hits her pillow tonight, she knows she's in love. They have this conversation where basically Tasha is feeling overwhelmed after her dad showing up and she talks with Zach and she's like, it's a lot. And Zach's like, your parents are very clear on how I feel about you. That's important for me. They know what you've gone through. And Tasha tells him the stress is setting in. She ITMs it or he ITMs that he can feel the heaviness this feeling of trepidation is concerning. So he can sense her emotions, even though she's not directly saying she has problems with him. And this is high-level game sense. Sometimes in this moment, you'll see a player head into a situation like this, where it's clear the lead is having some problem, is not feeling right about it, and in their ITM, they're just like, this is the best date ever. I think it's going great. (laughs) And they're lying to themselves. Zach doesn't do that. He recognizes something is wrong here, and he knows going into the second part of this, he's going to have to fix it. He can't let this continue. He recognizes his fucking successful run here could be coming to an end if he doesn't do what he's got to do next. He ITMs. She's allowed to have moments of doubt, but I want her to know I'm not going anywhere. He keeps reinforcing this theme with each of his audiences that he will not abandon Tasha, her greatest fear. They go into a ballroom rec room some sort of building and we see a couple ballroom dancers not just any pair of ballroom dancers dancers who kiss William and fiance Eden tell them that we're going to teach you guys a traditional wedding dance routine and William of the couple was by Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I feel like he's shown just a little bit more than Eden, his fiance. He certainly had more words than she did. Nonetheless, Eden was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. There was just something about her. She popped a little more on camera for me. And I have to imagine she had more to do with getting them on this show than he did. For some reason, I had that feeling. This is something that they do on Love Island often with the final couples as they make them learn this dance. But notably, this is also the second one-on-one date where they're forcing Tasha and Zach to recreate a wedding. <laughs> they already did a wedding photo shoot and now they have to do this. And Tasha is stressed. She's snipping a little bit at Zach during their dance practice about making eye contact. And Zach says, I can, feel, I can tell she's feeling nervous. And he starts joking with her. He does a little 
dance move where she's supposed to be rolling her back, rolling backwards, and he tells her to roll harder. She's get, he's getting her to laugh. They're kissing during the dance practice. And then, as if by magic, William and Eden <laughs> dematerialize. They are no longer in the shot. They are no longer seemingly in the room. And piano score kicks in a kind of slow, soft, romantic music. And they start to do basically a music video of this weird ballroom dance <laughs> that does include at one point a half hooju. Hooju is a hug jump. That's when a player runs, jumps in midair, and clings to the bachelor. This usually happens in the playoff rounds. And here we see it incorporated into this dance in half. He pulls one leg up as they're dancing for a few brief moments. And then they do this dance perfectly. The dance that Tasha was having problems with, it's beautiful. We do get a few shots of William and Eden off against a wall, looking on wistfully as they do dance. So we know they're there. They didn't disappear them into the desert. Tasha ITMs that she just can't accept that he's perfect. There must be something wrong. It was a very like Pride and Prejudice dance sequence. Zach calls attention to his chemistry game, says our chemistry and our love is stronger than ever. We're in unison. He lifts her up and drops her down. He doesn't go full prone, but it's as close you can as you can on in a dance. And his dance play I mean all players should learn to dance before coming on the show. You're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to have to dance at some point and it's also a really good skill set to have for any portion of this game, whether you're on group dates, it'll often come up. You can create a mini date where you do that, and it's really good for breaking the touch barrier, having fun, lightening the mood, that kind of thing. And Zach seems to have trained. It was great dance play. I don't know. Every moment of this episode, he's killing it. Literally at every turn, there's nothing he can't do, and he's able to control her emotions in a way that is obviously better than anyone else. But I mean, it's one of the best we've ever seen in terms of when she gets flustered or nervous or has anxiety of any kind. It seems that he can remove it almost instantaneously. And he's going to further remove it at the night portion of their last date. Zach in an ITM says, Tasha has some doubts. I'm scared. I love Tasha and I want to propose to her. Loading that precog. They kiss at the threshold of the state. Zach hits it again. I need her to go to bed tonight, just being 100% certain and clear as to how I feel. That gives her the key to doing whatever she needs to do. I, he doesn't care about the outcome. He will have done everything that he can control. As his post on Instagram said, literally yesterday, going to leave it all on the field. He views this as a game, whether he's overtly aware of that or not. His brain sees it as a game, and he is doing every play in his power, which is why it astounds me. Because usually, like a Hannah Sluss, I don't think was this overtly aware of the game. She just knew how to play because she had watched it so much. Zach, it feels like he knows it's a game and how to play it. Beautiful thing to watch. God damn it. Um, Tasha says she was a little funky earlier, that it's been kind of heavy, thinking about all the possible things that could go wrong, that we could fall for each other, but then change in the future. It also scares her about being an independent person. She says, what if I just want to be a mom? 
What if it changes? I guess I'm just used to people running away as opposed to staying. And Zach begins a soliloquy here. (laughs) He takes her main concern. Abandonment caused by these this is a big wall for her that she needs to overcome that has been caused by her previous relationship, her divorce, and the infidelity. And Zach says, as we grow, there will be moments of insanity, but I've never laughed and smiled and had as much fun with someone as I have with you. I will do whatever it takes to hold on to that. And Tasha says, well, when things get hard, it's much easier to say goodbye and walk away. And... Zach says, today, it's an anniversary for me, nine years sober. My sobriety is the most important thing in my life. The reason is it allows me to not run away, not run, and actually face life as it comes my way. I hear you say your fear is that things will change or that I'll run, and it breaks my heart because if I were given the opportunity to propose to you, I will not do that unless I'm committing to you. Not for today, but for life. I understand that commitment and loyalty. This play, the sobriety anniversary, was my play, 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 play of the game. He knows that this is her main fear. She has a fear of abandonment and he quelches it. He says, You could be a stay-at-home mom. You could be a waitress. It doesn't matter. He just wants her to be happy. Which, side note, him saying, you could be a waitress, like, the single worst thing in the world right now. Like, (laughs) he says, I will love you no matter what. And Tasha says, I love that Zach just loves me. He, like, truly wholeheartedly cares about me. And she does a toast. Here's to the man that makes me feel safe heard special that has been through hell and back only to be the best man that could I could ever dream of cheers to you today Zachary Clark game over he ends it with this he sets up his goal which is that her head is going to hit the pillow and she's going to be in love and guess what her head does fucking hit the pillow she's in love she's not even going to let Ben play another day no last date for Ben then this date ain't over They go lay on a fucking bed together, and he's back to his prone game. This motherfucker goes prone in every date, okay? He plays half the season prone. It's incredible. One of his strengths is to get her in the laying down position, which does have a psychological effect. It may be subtle, but it counts. She's more comfortable laying on the bed. She's a little disoriented visually. Yes. You have a literal different perspective. It's fucking incredible. And he manages to get her in that position every fucking time they see each other. She says to him, I feel like I'm in a dream, to be honest. He says, maybe dreams come true. (laughs) Go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's why she feels like she's in a dream, because she's fucking laying down in a fountain, looking up at the sky like, what the fuck is happening? He's hypnotizing her. And then she gives him shit about that line being from a Hallmark card. It's like, what else you got? And he fucking says, what else do I got? Do you know who I am? My name is Zach Clark. I'm playing a perfect game right now. And that question ain't going to stop me. Here's the what I got for you, Tasha. I love you. 
And she says, oh, I didn't read that one. He's won this little battle of wits. I love you has been in almost 99% of cards. Okay. It doesn't matter. The way he says it, the way he's playing it, it <laughs> works on her. That's all him. And again, we get a strange shot through the blinds, just like we got when she was talking to Ben in the last episode, this weird voyeuristic view from outside their room. And in this moment, it feels like it's meant to convey a moment of kind of false privacy. Like in this moment where they're saying they love each other, they really are alone and the cameras aren't there. Meanwhile, there are mm-hmm. li- there's like three cameras standing around the fucking bed while they're yeah, making they're out like, and saying all this This is too shit. awkward for the camera to be six inches. <laughs> and then he says, I love you to her three more times before she goes out onto the porch. He gets in one more. She says it back. Mirrored LL4s here. And Zach has turned in a fucking bulletproof performance. Literally, this is when I wrote it. This is a perfect game he's got going on here. This is like when a pitcher has a perfect game going into like the seventh inning and you're like, oh my God, is he going to fucking do it? Is he going <laughs> to fucking throw a perfect game? He's only got two innings left. This is extremely rare. Even Hannah Sluss, who turned in a very close performance to a perfect game, uh, didn't have one. She had a brief moment where she almost cracked when she dropped a fake smile she had when PP Pilot Pete, the last bachelor, put his arms around her in Australia on a jet ski. That was barely an error. It was only an error for the fourth audience, us. He's not even making fourth audience errors. I know. That's what I'm saying. This shit is airtight. It's incredible. <laughs> he is such a good reader of Tasha, and I think it's something that I didn't notice until we did the All-Stars episode of Tasha. is that is something that she does in Colton's season. She's very good at reading the situation and sort of gently manipulating people. And Zach does the exact same thing. He's saying, all I know how to say right now is I love you and thank you. I'm ready for whatever the future holds. I'm here for you. She has said, "I please keep saying I love you. And he does it tenfold he's like you're telling me what you want here's what you want just incredible also the setting of the goal where she's gonna go down on her pillow she literally in an itm says to think that i was so uneasy this morning and going to bed feeling pretty damn good she might as well have said i'm in love on my pillow he accomplished this goal and this is all because of producer machinations producers brought ben back to try and blow the game up the producers brought her dad back to have that conversation with her to try and rattle her it's because by the way of zach's game that that did not work and now even in this moment where she's trying to find something wrong he's just like it's not possible i'm sorry i'm going to win now (laughs) it's fucking incredible to watch this guy and in the beginning of the season I didn't quite see it. When he played his five-part PTC, I saw it. I was like, holy shit. This guy is here to play. And now it just bared out. Like, this was fucking incredible. This is kind of like in poker when in the beginning of a poker tournament, there's like a thousand fucking people in it or more in the big ones, you know? And then by the time it gets down to the final table, there's like whatever. I think final table start with nine people, but then it gets down to like seven and six and then it's like the last three people at the table and that game is a completely different game from the rest of it the odds change all that kind of shit i feel like zach here knows that and he has altered his game to turn in essentially the greatest final table performance we've seen and in comparison we see the opposite for ben's last date we see ben showering 
Usually the finalists at this point are showering in some fancy exotic resort in another country in a shower, maybe even an outdoor shower. But it appears that Ben is showering in my apartment shower. (laughs) 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 Very similar. Uh, (laughs) He loads his love level four. He says, I love her. My gut is telling me that I'm going to propose to her and she's going to say yes. Uh Uh-oh. That's a wrong gut. And here we get it. Tasha ITMs. Waking up this morning, I felt very, very nervous. I know what my heart wants and I know it's not Ben. I wish my heart was with him, but it's just not. Game over. There's not even going to be a last date. There's not going to be drama at the final rose ceremony. Which one it is? Ben's out. And the producers allow this. She had to have gone to the producers and told them, I don't want to do a final rose ceremony where I dump a guy at the pedestal. I just want to dump him now. And they had to allow it. I found that an interesting choice. And I don't know exactly why they wouldn't have forced her or if it's a symptom of leads getting a little more bold. If she's like, look, you let Claire walk out of here in episode four. The least you can do is let me dump this guy without forcing him to come here in a suit and all this kind of shit, you know? Get ready to propose. I mean, going back through these old seasons, there was a clip of Ben Flagnick mid-proposal to Ashley Huber, and she's like, wait, it's like, it is torturous to make somebody do that. But Tasha does it earlier. Tasha cries on the street. She's doubled over sobbing, but she says, I do know what I need to do. And she goes to a door and knocks. And we see Ben is on the other side. And they've used the mystery knocker again. This is another example of, oh shit, somebody's outside knocking at my door. He opens it. She comes in. They sit on the couch. And she gives him a little hourglass minute, minute and a half here where she's doing a speech that are all the good things about him. When we first met, it was great. You did this. We had these fun dates. Just this preamble to eliminating him that yeah. is completely you unnecessary. Being very vulnerable. I started falling for that guy. Love level three. It's been a really heavy week. I care about you so much, but I just feel like my heart is with somebody else. I don't want you to ever second guess anything. We missed out on a little bit of time and that was very monumental. They didn't fuck. And this, too, is a kind of unemotional acceptance of this from Ben. He says it doesn't change the fact that he's in love with her. He hoped they'd end up together. And he saw it going differently, but he wants her to be happy. He hugs her, tells her he's happy for her. They hug again in his front door. He kisses her hand, and they say goodbye. And then he ITMs that he doesn't know what to do now because he is still in love with her. But he gets in the car and drives away. ITMing that he lost a really good thing and their life would have been so good together. She was perfect for him. And then Tasha lets out far more tears than Ben did in this entire dump. And that's it. Ben is gone. He ultimately turned in a very good performance this season. He got a resurrection. He got huge Instagram gains. And all that started from a night when he turtled. I did not see this coming, but Ben wound up being one of the best players this season. And he is already legitimately in a conversation for the crown. But with him gone, we now are down to the outcome of she either will accept Zach's proposal or not. That's now the drama we're watching. What's going to happen at the final pedestal? By the way, 
in this exit when she's like, I want you to be happy too. And he says, someday. That was like a pretty good lead in for Crown. He also says, I'm happy for you. I'm dead serious. He's, I'm 4TRR all the way out the door. Portion number nine, it's final rose ceremony time. Zach's getting ready. Tasha's ITMing about him. He's my person. I truly don't have words to describe my love for him, the way he makes you feel. I am worried if what if we leave outside of here and things change? Zach says, I love Tasha and I'm going to propose to the woman of my dreams. Did you notice this opening shot of this portion? Tasha's in her room as all these ITMs start. She opens the blinds of her room and then she steps over and f- runs her hand down the curtain like she's shopping for fabric. She's really like looking at the curtain like, oh, this is a nice curtain. Did you notice that at all? I noticed throughout this episode, there is a part where she's just like fixing her collar of this shirt dress. They just like basically tell her to like fidget with shit throughout the episode. Yeah. She also, by the way, I noted this, she puts lip gloss on like 10 different times. They just keep cutting back and she's like reapplying lip gloss. I'm like, I don't know if it's exactly the same shot. When she's looking at that curtain, I was like, that's definitely the producers telling her to like, just go by the window and, you know, like do something like look out the window and then just kind of like whatever, just meander around. She was like feeling the fabric like she was like, oh, maybe I'll get these curtains for myself. It literally looked like she was curtain shopping. Yeah, I think they're doing anything to try to get different shots. I remember she was like journaling on her bed this time instead of that couch. They were like, we've seen enough of that fucking couch. But Zach gets a knock knock. It's Neil Lane, the sparkler king. And this knock-knock, by the way, is cut a little differently. In all the other knock-knocks, you either see someone knocking on a door and you don't know who's about to answer, or you see somebody inside hear a knock and they don't know who's on the other side of the door. This one, the construction of it is quick shot of Neil Lane knocking, cut to quick shot of Zach getting up off the bed. There is nothing suspenseful about this. The time for (laughs) using these things for terror is gone. This is now a moment of celebration. The ring man has arrived, the demon Neil Lane. And Zach says he's celebrating nine years sober and being in love with this beautiful woman. It's incredible. Yes, it is, Zach. He says, my love for her transcends any physical beauty. She is just like everything I ever wanted in a partner. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And Zach is shown two rings, a princess cut and an emerald cut. He selects the emerald cut as he ITMs once again how much he LL4s her. By the way... He also love level four is the emerald cut sparkler. He says, I think I love this one. (laughs) First level four of a diamond. Yeah. He says, I love Tasha so much in his ITM. He's also pulls out tears here. This guy is fucking hitting that genuine card hard. And then she gets in one more final ITM as she's putting on yet another round of lipstick that (laughs) she wonders if it's too much too soon as her car pulls up in the desert and she steps out to meet DLH in the strange desert corridor where when she gets out of the car, you only hear the sound design of this. You can hear the wind whistling 
There's some birds in the distance. It gives you a very isolated and desolate feel. And this is all designed because as soon as she starts talking to the Dark Lord, that sound disappears. This is not (laughs) just production sound. They're doing it for some effect to build in us this feeling of dread that, oh, fuck, maybe she's not going to accept a proposal. Maybe she's going to dump everybody. Yeah, I did notice in the next portion there was like a sizzling noise of the desert along with the music. Well, there was a fire. We'll get to it. There was literally a cauldron of fire by them. She meets Dark Lord Harrison at what we call the Path of Pain, which is this path that the player has, that all of the players in the final rose ceremony have to walk down from Dark Lord Harrison to the lead, the crown, who is standing at the final rose altar. And this... For this path of pain, they have created these semicircles of pampas grass for Tasha to walk through. I really feel like they spent most of their production budget on this. And just for the record, usually the lead never walks the path of pain. Usually the lead is just there at the pedestal. It's the players who arrive one after the other. And then DLH greets them after they get out of the car. And then he says, well, go ahead. And the player is forced to walk that path alone. In this case, Tasha is also forced to walk it. Why do you think they did that? I think because they didn't have a second player. Right. He says to her, this is everything we've ever wanted for you. This is amazing. She's crying. This is how he soothes her. She tells DLH that everything's great. And he says he can tell something's wrong. What's going on with her? She tells him that she's so excited and she loves Zach so much but it's something that's different. She's now questioning if she's ever truly been in love. She doesn't know. She starts crying, and D.O.H. attempts this soothing line of dialogue. This is the devil himself reconvincing you that it was a good deal you signed with him. He says, it's okay. You should be excited by this. It's everything we've ever wanted for you. Said like a true leader of a cult. Fascinating. (laughs) Who's we, dude? You and who? The producers? I thought he was referring to him and Tasha. Even still, how weird is that? That a game show host is the one who's like, this is everything you and I have wanted for you, isn't it? All the late nights we've been up talking. It's also exactly what he did to Claire in Claire's last episode when he's like, well, you got rid of everyone. I guess it's time for proposal. Like this person who's clearly in distress, who... All of this distress could be alleviated by him being like, look, we don't have to have a proposal. You found love. That was the goal of this. Like, if this is going to give you a breakdown to make this decision right now, you don't have to. In some ways, the this is everything we've wanted for you is an extension of Seleucian protocol, which is a phrase that was uttered by player Hannah Sluss in season 24 of The Bachelor when another player refused to engage in the sexual ceremony of fantasy suites. She says in an ITM, we knew what we signed up for. And in this moment, DLH is essentially saying that to Tasha, you know what you signed up for. It was this, to have somebody propose to you. We delivered, and now you got to deliver. Tasha says, it's really good through tears. And then... She says to Dark Lord Harrison, I love you. She love level fours Dark Lord Harrison. I couldn't fucking believe it. I was so excited for you to finish that portion because I was like, Clues is going to lose his fucking shit. (laughs) I wasn't even looking at the screen in that moment. I was typing notes and I just, the words appeared on my screen because I'm just kind of doing dictation, you know? 
I, I read them almost before I heard them, if you can believe it. And I had to look at what I wrote, and I was like, what? And I paused and immediately rewound five fucking times and watched it again and again and again and again, expecting each time for me to be like, oh, she said something else. That's what I misheard. She definitely said, love you. Definitely said it to him yeah. every time I listened to it. There is no doubt. This is the first LL4 that I believe DLH has ever received. I We haven't we seen haven't old Bachelorette, but certainly it never happened in Bachelor from anyone, player or lead. What about in one of the weddings that he officiated? I don't think so. <laughs> PP's mom, sweet nums, told him she loved him. <laughs> Anyway, this was an astounding fucking moment because it's in the beginning of this, she essentially through her Christianity said, that's a deal breaker for me. Sorry, we have different religions. Off you go, Ivan. And now here, she's literally telling Satan himself that she loves him. (laughs) How strange. How complex. That is probably exactly how she sees both of those situations. (laughs) The whole time too, I was thinking like, what is the Dark Lord feeling? This must be his greatest joy. That this lead, this person whose life he feels that he has controlled in many ways, that he is a steward over in many ways, helping her, in quotes, find love. It's what we've wanted for you. He believes these things to be true. I do think DLH is a true believer in the process. Yes, he makes money off of it. He knows they're selling toothpaste, but I think he believes it's real. I think totally. he thinks the love I is think real. He, I think he thinks he is the grandfather of love and that he has sort of, he's the patriarch of this bizarre family and so in this moment he finally gets his child Tasha being representative of the show itself to say i love you father it's incredible <laughs> for him do you think that he was more excited about that or jade and tanner naming their baby's middle name after him oh my god I don't know, because both of these are legacy issues. That child's going to grow on with his name for the rest of its life. So, too, will this moment live on in the document forever? Hmm. Food for thought. (laughs) We start portion 10. We hear sizzling noises of the desert and bird calls and dramatic music. Those are the three three things that it said on my (laughs) screen. On mine, it says mountains. Sounds of birds and desert bugs. Shots of a cactus. Interesting. You had different subtitles than me. (laughs) Eventually those will be exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Lord. Zach is looking at his sparkler, his ring, in the car on the way there. This is a man about to propose... He says, for her to say no or to pick another guy is not out of the question. He's still grounded in reality. Something funny that they do here is he gets out of the car and they pan up his feet. Even though there is no surprise here, generally they pan up the top two players' feet because it is this reveal that as you get to the top and you realize which person is, if they're first, you're like, oh, that's the player who's probably getting dumped. I think we saw one final rose ceremony where the winner was the second person. Season on, five, uh, Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer. Yeah. 
I found it also interesting. They show a shot here of Tasha standing at the final altar. It is 120 degrees in the heart of the California desert, and they have seen fit to put a literal cauldron of fire by the pedestal, <laughs> making it even hotter. I'm just like, how much torture can they put these fuckers through up to the very last second? It's crazy. Zach approaches Dark Lord Harrison at the beginning of the Path of Pain. He says, give me that hug. I'll take all I can get. Another subtle COVID joke here. <laughs> he also walks up to DLH in this moment, clapping his hands in a kind of sports football player pump-up style, like he's getting ready for the last big play of the game. DLH says, it's been one hell of a ride. And Zach says, not over yet. I was like, I don't know if Dark Lord Harrison is going to like that little one-upping. This is my show. Dark Lord Harrison says, she's waiting for you. And Zach walks down the path of pain. And they shake hands here, giving a final acknowledgement that they each held up their end of the bargain every step of the way. Dark Lord Harrison is very big on handshakes. They are the conclusions of contracts rendered full and complete in our <gasps> beloved game. He shook Ben's hand last week when he re-entered the game, the beginning of a new contract. And then Zach walks the path of pain. He ITMs. This is one of those moments you wait your entire existence for. By the way, he does a dramatic, like, slow walk up the platform to this final rose pedestal. He understands what this is. This literally is the last at bat in the World Series. He gets the importance of it. I'm certain of that. He approaches her. He takes her hands in his. He takes a deep breath, and he speaks first here. He recalls their first conversation. And not knowing why he came to the desert, but now he does. He came here because he was supposed to meet and fall in love with her. Right here, a beautiful reference to destiny. This is meant to happen. He recounts their entire season, and it's only three interactions. This is the price paid for Claire's early departure. He says from their first kiss, to riding a Ferris wheel, to meeting each other's families. Nothing has ever felt so right his entire life. <laughs> and she has helped him experience a love he didn't know existed. And she has made him smile more than anyone. He loves her. Issues L4 again. He loves her because she's a fighter. She's a strong, independent woman who makes everyone around her better because she believes in him. Because she's a total dork. And because she drives him wild, he loves everything about her. He promises finally to be loyal to her, allaying her final fear that she has from her past relationship. He literally says, and I listened when you spoke of the importance of loyalty. I promise to be loyal to you. He repeats these phrases back to her. It's fucking airtight. It is complimentary. It is transformative. It is historically accurate about all of their dates. It recounts his entire season, goes through every fucking important play. He even gets in a goofy, I even like that you're a dork. Whatever the fuck that means. She's not a dork. <laughs> she's she's an Instagram a influencer who has a fucking <laughs> 1.4 million Instagram followers and she's going to be selling <laughs> mascara for the rest of her life. She is not a dork, but whatever. By the way, like he's already got the game on lock if for some reason he didn't, this Wedding Vows-esque speech he does here would have been one of my plays of the game because it was fucking perfect. He, it's like it tells this story. He hits the things that she has 
cares about the most. He recounts their different dates. He re-ups the fountain, which is the fountain is a huge thing for them. It was for me like watching a pitcher in that last game of the World Series. This is the last guy you have to get out. And he's the number four fucking batter. The scariest motherfucker on the other team. And he walks up there to the mound. And he fucking fires a fastball right down the pipe. 103 miles an hour. Swing and a miss. And you're like, what's he going to come with next? A curveball? Nope, fastball. Swing and a miss. (laughs) Oh my God, it's the last pitch. Fastball. Swing and a miss. Strike three. You're out. Perfect game is fucking iced. This moment was God damn, it was beautiful to me because he didn't have to go this hard and he went this hard and it fucking came off perfectly. And that's the thing about Zach, Zach C. He leaves it all on the field. He didn't leave any moment that he wasn't bringing it 100%. I was so fucking impressed by this and his whole performance. I mean, Taisha does a speech, but it's not as good as Zach's speech. (laughs) She says... That first night when I got here, I was excited about the possibility of finding love. Didn't know if finding true love is possible. When I first met you, I thought to myself, he's different. And that man is kind. He shows gratitude, has the biggest smile. He's been through a lot, but has never given up. Also, has learned to read me better than anyone has. Key part there. He knows how to comfort me when I'm down. There's one point when I thought I never would get married. All the pain had hit rock bottom. Walls, etc. I know that I told you I love you, but... And she starts crying here. She says it's more than that. She's trying to hit that pee-pee love level five. (laughs) She says it's this wild, wild love that I've tried to come up with so many reasons not to believe, and you've truly just made me believe there doesn't need to be flaws, that I deserve a man, a love with a man that won't run away, and I'm truly looking at my heart. Yes, it is real, and I feel it too, and I want to make more traditions and fall into fountains prone all around the world with you. You know, she does travel, uh, hail a taxi, ready to start a life with you. She's literally setting up these Instagram stories that they are going to film together. (laughs) This little last part of her speech, too. She did a thing when she says, but she was a point where she thought she would never get married and she hit rock bottom, blah, 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 blah. When you say but and pause in these moments, it's very usually followed by a dump. It's usually, here's a bunch of great things about you, but my heart's with somebody else, but we just didn't get there. We didn't have enough time, but you're not I love someone else more. Here, she uses that but for a dramatic pause where she's like, but, and we think she's going to dump because that's what comes next. She fucking hangs on that for like 10 seconds, just leaving him twisting. And the producers have made her fucking do this. And then she comes back, but it's more than that. This is the wild, wild love that I have tried to come up with the reasons not to believe in all this shit. And you're right. I wrote that down too, that she LL5s him just like pee-pee because she's like, it's more than <laughs> oh just God. love. She transcends the scale. I mean, this is why you don't love level four until the end and nowhere to go. You have to make up weird shit like that. I mean, she's such a dork. <laughs> Only dorks do LL5. He kisses her. She says she'll do anything to keep that huge smile on his face because he does everything to keep it on hers. He talks about his hometown and when his God. parents got to see the smile on his face, they had never seen him that happy. This like little detail of like of his hometown, the parents smiles. He's saying like you put that smile on my face. He's 
basically saying you cringled them that glow like <laughs> and he says he can't picture another day without her in his life if she'll let him he'll choose her tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next year he'll choose her forever and then he gets on that knee cracks open that box and we see the name neil lane and sparkling beautiful silver letters emblazoned across the middle of our screen if you like this diamond buy neil lane she of course accepts the proposal and he pumps his fist in the air in sporting celebration, <laughs> just like any pitcher might do after throwing a perfect game, because that's what he did. They're kissing. Tasha is crying. Her hand is shaking as she puts the ring on. He says, this is so crazy. Do you believe it? She says, no, do you? He's like, yes. <laughs> Trick question. I believe it. This, this was like they threw in an extra batter after the game was over, and he was like, yeah, whatever, I'll strike this guy out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's an off-screen line of Tasia saying, oh, and there's one more thing, which I don't think she said in this moment. She goes, Zach, will you accept this rose? Gives him the final rose. They kiss. She jumps. They spin each other around in a circle. They're reprising their dance lesson. Ah, yes. William. And then they are forced to reprise their taxi date as Zach walks off to call a taxi and there's the little wooden car that they were forced to carry around two days ago in the fucking sweltering heat. And they are forced here to carry this fucking wooden behemoth back down the path of pain out in the desert. (laughs) I was just thinking here, I was like, they gave Becca Kufrin and McGarrett an actual minivan as a present at this point. And they have to carry their fake wooden car it's such a like metaphor for this whole fucking season. By the way, Tasha also hits her um, alibi here again. She says, a few weeks ago, I was in bed pro- eating donuts and probably crying myself to sleep. Just hitting that hard that she didn't even know about this until a few weeks ago. Yeah. Remember? It's all in the up and up. And that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the main show. We don't get an after the final rose. We just get the final conclusion. This to me really felt like a fucking sporting match where it's like, well, that was it. Last out. And that was a good game. Game's off. Fucking lights go down in the stadium. Like, hey, the shit's over. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, there is no after the final rose? Not that we saw. What the hell? When are we going to see it? There's nothing next We're week. We're not. We're not. They, I mean, they cut into this to give us a Matt James promo. Dark Lord Harrison says, as one journey ends, another begins. And I took notes on this entire promo because I was riveted. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Matt James is sobbing at one point. Someone says, we're going to war for Matt's heart. There's a drama with a sugar baby and an escort. Someone having transactions... There is a character introduced called Queen Elizabeth. Looks like she's going to make a strong character play. This may be our Demi with a little villain sprinkled in. There is a drama that arises about a sugar baby, a sex worker, and it looks like sex workers will be shamed in this upcoming season. A lot of tears, an ambulance, and even Matt James is crying himself, and he plays a PTC about his broken family looks like this season's gonna have it all even a fucking ambulance by the way we start on matt james's headless torso showering thought that was interesting a return to form (laughs) this looks like it's gonna be a sean low colton-esque man never clothed season they did have one line where a 
player said to him, I do acknowledge color in every sense. Love is love. So maybe they're going to be hitting some more race conversations. I hope so. Time will tell and very little time. This starts in a week, two weeks. Then they do a repeat tag. Tasha's parents haven't met Chris Harrison and he does, he springs himself upon them again. Just like we got with Zach's mom. Dark Lord Harrison gets the last word, as we would come to expect. He also says to Tasha's younger brother, oh, we're talking about you being the next Bachelor in eight to ten years. This child. This was also a sporting moment. This is something you might see when a big league baseball player brings his little brother out onto the field and the coach is like, a ah, couple more years, we're going to have to be giving you a call. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, I think it was very interesting because you and I were just talking about who would be the first child from the franchise to be on a very interesting finale zach c was of course my he played a perfect game you're gonna get the fucking mvp sorry for all the reasons we've said i don't think i need to go back over yeah (laughs) he was also my M M M M V P. You can't argue with the player that takes everyone else out of the game. In terms of an MVP for the season, which we are going to get into on our next Monday episode available on Patreon, where we go through all the most important things that happened in the course of the season, it really boils down to Zach and Dale Moss for me. I don't know which Mm -hmm. one ultimately wins out zach played more of the game dale played a game we've never seen before i don't know who ultimately is going to take my seasonal mvp but we will discuss it on monday yeah mine's ed wastebrot (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys for joining us on this magical journey this season in this la quinta bubble i feel like we have been here 20 years and i feel like we've been here two hours I couldn't agree more. It's been a strange era of the game. It's been a strange era of humanity. Let's be real. Like everything is affected by it, including our beloved game. But some interesting things came out of this season. Some very bad things, some very good things, all of which again, we'll be talking about in that Monday episode. And I'm happy to have this one in the record books and move on to Matt James in a week. I'm really, really looking forward to that season. I think we're going to see some incredible play. Me too. And we will be doing something special for the premiere of Matt James season. Some of you might be able to guess what it has to do with. A staple in our show that we say at the end of every episode, which we will be saying at the end of this one very soon. Yeah. But tomorrow, we also have an episode coming out that is a very special Christmas Eve episode. We got to have a conversation with a rising star in the world of Bachelor coverage. It's Bachelor Data. We got to talk to her about how she grew up, what she watched, why she's into numbers, how she became so obsessed with The Bachelor. (laughs) Why she's the Steve Kornacki of Bachelor. If that means anything to anyone. But it's a very good conversation, and we hope you will tune into that tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll be back Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation. So much shit has been going on in Bachelor Nation. (laughs) It's a week of a finale. It's Christmas, and it could be the most packed This Week in Bachelor Nation we've ever had. Good Lord, the document is already out of control. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is such a, I mean, I'm like, wait, this is our second episode we've done this week. And then we have the special Welcome to the Pit episode tomorrow with Bachelor Data. Then we have Twibbon coming out on Friday. And then we have our Patreon Top 10 Takeaways from Tasha's Season coming out Monday. So guys, don't hang out with your families. <laughs> hang out with us. And then, I hate to say it, but Tuesday, we've got a deep dive into the Instagrams of all 32 players of Magic this season. <laughs> so, get ready for that. That's what we're doing with our Christmas. Thank you, Santa Claus. <laughs> That's a true Kringle. A true, true Kringle. But thank you again, everyone, for the tids and for everything that you have indulged <laughs> this far in this weird journey that we have been on as it gets even stranger by the day. And on Friday's show, Shoya will be joining us for the last time from Relationship Hero to listen to our screams from the pit. And before we go, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,848 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. I love you. (laughs) oh my god okay (laughs) please rate this podcast please review this podcast Please get a friend to listen to us and then Please rate this podcast Please review this podcast Please get a friend to listen to us and then Please rate this podcast Please review this podcast Please get a friend to listen to us and then If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, 
The dreaded bathrobe? Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare 